Welcome to Inspired Artist Podcast with me, Sergen Carr. In this episode, I'm talking with my friend Greg Barnett, who plays guitar for Chantala. He plays guitar and bass for many of the artists that I've encountered in the Mantra and Kirtan universe, including Pragnia Viera, um, Mangalananda. He has played with me various times at Bhakti Fest. He is a an amazing instrumentalist and really genuinely, sincerely beautiful person. So this episode was recorded before any of the coronavirus information was rampant on news. Recently, Greg was touring with Chantala in Phoenix, and when I was living there, he invited me to come chant with them, and that was an amazing experience, which we talk about in the podcast. I also learned that Greg is a producer, which I did not realize before this interview or conversation. We actually take like a political conversation turn in this, which was cool. Greg's really interested in what's going on. Uh, he has some strong opinions about, you know, television and what it was like to grow up in South Louisiana, um, nature. We talk about social media and keeping our uh, wits about us in interacting with people on the internet. Um, so this is a fun one. I hope you enjoy it and please subscribe, rate, and comment on the podcast so that it gets shared with more people. All right, here we go. Cool. So are you in the Bay Area right now? Yeah, I am. I'm at home. Yeah. yeah. What have you been up to? Um, a lot of playing the guitar, practicing, uh, not a lot of gigging, um, mm -hmm. really working on new stuff, working on improvisation and, and stuff. Um, mostly that, really. Uh, a couple of gigs coming up, just local gigs, and then I've got a tour of the Northwest uh, with uh, Chantala coming up. Oh, awesome. Yeah. That was so fun playing with. Oh, so you're coming, you might come through here. I'm in Seattle now. Yeah, I know. And uh, we are. And so <gasps> I imagine I'll see you. Oh, awesome. I'd love, yeah. I'd, yeah. Love, to cut, I'd love to catch that. They were, they were so beautiful. It was Gosh. wonderful to, to play with you and, uh, and the band in uh, Phoenix that time. Yeah. Really, really nice. I, I hope we get to do that again. Yeah, yeah, if they want, or I can come and, you know, be in the audience. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with either. Yeah, I love their, their compositions. They're really, um, they're really different. They're not simple. <laughs> no, no. I mean, they're, they, they feel like it, like you can sing along to them, um, yeah. you know, very easily, but they're, uh, they're very, they're very musical and kind of well, well thought out. They, they have complex minds, those two. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So how did you, you must, I'm assuming you enjoyed, you enjoyed that if you're signing up for another round. <laughs> I, yeah, I love those guys. You know, I love Benji and Heather and I love playing with them. Uh, they're really, you know, outstanding musicians and uh, they're just really sweet people, you know, and, and, and brilliant people. And, and um, they, you know, you see them on stage and they have a manner on stage. And, you know, you often wonder, like, when you see somebody on stage, you know, it's like, well, is this just their stage persona or are they really like this, you know? And and uh, one thing I really like about Minji and Heather is that they're really like that, you know. Um, mm -hmm. they're, what you see on stage is really who they are. And, and uh, they, they, you know, they live to, to play and, and to, to bring that music and that energy to audiences and and um you know they're they're like all the rest of us they just got the bug you know they have to play music and, yeah uh, and um and they're just sweet devoted souls you know and and so you know I, and you know i've toured with them now several times um maybe four or five times i don't know a lot and um we're always in the van together, you know, it's the three of us in the van. Sometimes the dog is there, you know, and, and, uh, and we're, we're, you know, stuck in the van with each other for a couple of weeks at a time, two or three uh -huh. weeks at a time, maybe sometimes more. And, and, uh, and at the end of it, we're always really sorry that it's over. You know, it's like, Oh God, can't we just do this for another couple of weeks? You know? <laughs> so, um, 
So there's, there's really nothing to, to, to dislike about it. Um, and they have fans all over the country. Um, yeah. you know, it's amazing. You know, I, uh, on the last tour that we did, which was a Midwest tour, there was one, uh, one Kirtan that we played where there was somebody lying on the floor in front of me all through the Kirtan and she didn't look entirely well. And, and, and there were people who were very, you know, looking after her sort of, you know, she was probably, you know, my age in her fifties or something. And, and, uh, and, um, after the Kirtan, she came and talked to me and, and she let me know that she had like stage four metastatic cancer and she had had, um, chemotherapy that afternoon. Oh, um, wow. And she said, you know, I, I knew like, well, if you just had chemo, you probably shouldn't be hanging out in a crowd. You know? Yeah, I was and, thinking that. <laughs> yeah. And she, she looked at me, I guess she read my mind. She said, I got permission from the doctor to come to this. Uh, wow. And, you know, it was pretty clear that in her mind, this was like maybe one of the last things she would ever do. Huh. Uh, and she chose to go to a, 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 a Shantala concert, a, a mm. Kirtan. Um, yeah. That's, you know, they, they have fans like that, you know, and, and uh, it's really special to play for, for people who feel like that about yeah. somebody, you know? So, so I'm really, I, I'm, I feel really, really lucky and, and really, you know, happy to, to play with them anytime they want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it, it, um, I mean, it speaks to, to your talent too, that, you know, they, you know, it would, it would be emptier sounding, but they're, they're, they're like multi-instrumentalists. So, you know, they could tour just the two of them, but mm -hmm. it sounds so full and beautiful when you, when there's that piece, you know, there's the, the guitar piece. And do you play bass for them too, or just guitar? I play bass and guitar. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It just, it's, it's so full sounding with just the three of you. Well, yeah, yeah. we, uh, I think we make a good trio. Yeah. Yeah. So, and how did you meet them? Well, I met them at Bhakti Fest. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, you know, like everybody meets in the, in the, in the Kirtan world, like the way I met you. Um, and, uh, they, um, let's see, I was, I had, I had met Gina Salah, uh, and, I'm not entirely sure how I met her. I don't remember exactly. It might have been, well, anyway, I was introduced to her somehow. And I, I played with her in the Bay Area a few times. And then um, she was playing at Bhakti Fest and I knew she was playing at Bhakti Fest. So I sent her a message saying, hey, you know, you want me to play with you? And, and she said, yes. And so at the rehearsal, um, there was this guy uh, who, this big guy who was <laughs> totally sacked out on the bed in, in, the, in the room there at Bhakti Fest and he, was, he had the flu. And, uh, and the room was crammed full of people. It was this tiny little room at, at, uh, at the, at the place that, where they had Bhakti Fest before. And, and, uh, and, um, and he had the flu and he said, uh, sorry, I can't get up. Don't mind me. I just, I, I just caught the flu. And I thought, great, I'm trapped in the room with this guy. You know? <laughs> it's like, why don't you go outside? You know? And, and, uh, and, uh, so we started to play and there was no other place in the room to sit rather than at the foot of the bed that this guy, this sick guy was lying on. Right. So I thought, Oh God, you know, here, I'm, I'm going to catch the flu. I'm going to have a miserable time at Brock because, well, I didn't catch the flu. And that guy turned out to be Benji Wertheimer. Um, and, uh, we started to play and he like, he was like Lazarus rising from the dead. You know, he's like, he heard this music and I was playing the bass you know, at the foot of the bed and he got up and he got this look on his face, this big, this big wide eyed smile. And he picked up a, a drum and he started to play and he was looking at me and I was looking at him and we were like trading licks, you know, and, and, uh, and um, so we kind of hit it off musically right away, and and uh, oh, neat! Yeah, one thing led to another, and and now I've played <laughs> a bunch of a bunch of uh, kirtans with them. Yeah, it's been a few years, yeah. It's been a few years, yeah. Uh, we've toured uh, Southwest a couple of times, Northwest. We did the Midwest tour this past fall when the colors were happening. This fall colors, it was really beautiful, mm. and, and uh, we've played. Uh, in the Bay Area together, about, you know, several times and, and at Bhakti Fest and stuff like that, you know, so, oh, yeah. um, and I'm not sure if I'm supposed to mention this or not, but they have <laughs> a, they're, they're, they're on the cusp of re releasing a live album. And, uh, oh, so wow. I'm going to be on a couple of tracks of that too. I feel like they, they announced that when I was, 
singing with them. Well, they've been talking about it for a no. while, you know, and, and uh, so, but it's really like, you know, just about done, I think. So, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah that's I'm that really excited about that. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Congrats. Thank you. How did you, I actually don't know this, um, how did you get to be in this scene? Did you come through yoga or? No. So uh, it's kind of a funny story. I, uh, so I, I've lived in the Bay Area for like over 25 years now. And, and uh, at one point I moved to the town that I'm living in now, San Rafael. And um, that's just north of San Francisco. And uh, I, it was always a meat eater all my life, you know, and, and uh, I just decided to try a vegetarian diet and see how that felt. And I liked that. And then uh, my wife and I got real interested in, you know, pursuing that more. And we, we educated ourselves about, you know, like the, the meat production practices and mm -hmm. how gross they are and and uh so we decided to try being vegan and and so i was trying that out and i needed a place to eat i like to eat out in restaurants and there was one vegan restaurant in san rafael pretty close to my house actually run by a couple of krishna devotees mm -hmm. uh, and uh radhanathan kalimba alvarez are their names and uh, they had uh, a, a little restaurant called radiance kirtan and Radnath and Kalimba are very, you know, dedicated, very uh, disciplined, uh, very pure Krishna devotees, ISKCON practitioners, and, and uh, uh, they, you know, only served vegan things. And so, uh, and they had just opened up the restaurant, and I had been working on some ideas of, of musical expression, uh, musical motifs and stuff, and, and uh, we got to talking about things. They didn't have a lot of business, you know, in those days because they had just opened up the restaurant, so they had time to hang out and chat. And and uh, I told them that I had I had been working on using some musical motifs in my improvisation to limit myself to the expression of um, joy and love and gratitude and the divine. I was I was looking for ways to uh, to prevent myself from from uh, expressing harmful what what I considered at the time to be harmful negative energies and and uh, so I thought well you know I'm not really sure where to start so I'll start with love and uh, and then I thought well even that you know I could taint that in some sort of way what's the safest thing that I could possibly express that would not harm anybody who came into contact with it and I thought well if I could think of a way to express the divine, mm -hmm. you know, and only that, you know, then, then that would be at least a good place to start. And so, um, I, I took a motif from the music of J.S. Bach, uh, that I had known about for years and, and just a little three note motif, da, da, dum, that, which it seems to me, uh, he uses as the name of God. And so, um, that's my own theory. You probably won't find it in a textbook anywhere. And so anyway, it works for me. And, uh, and so I spent a lot of time um, in those days, right before I met Radhanath in Kalimba, uh, just improvising on that motif and, you know, with the intention of just saying the name of God. Uh, and, um, and so I wandered into their restaurant and I told these Krishna devotees who are all about kirtan, that's their main practice, you know, uh, what I was up to. And they said, oh, we got to talk, you know, and, and uh, <laughs> you're just going to love what we do. You should come and sit in with us at our kirtan. I said, what's kirtan? Um, and uh, they said, well, it's what we do. Come check it out. Bring your guitar. I said, well, I, you know, I don't want to mess it up. I'll just come listen. And they said, well, you know, no, just come and play. So now I'm going to listen, you know. So I went and listened and... Uh, and I liked what they did, and they had a guitar player. Uh, and I'm a guitar player, that's my training and all that, uh -huh. you know, but they didn't have a bass player, they needed a bass player. So I said, well, and I had a bass, you know, so uh -huh. I, said, I said, you know, hey, you need a bass player, so let me do that. And so that's, that's how I got into it. And, you know, they were, I didn't know anything about yoga, I didn't know anything about Hinduism, I didn't know anything about kirtan. Um, I literally had to ask them, what, what is kirtan? And, uh, <laughs> And, you know, I didn't know who any of the, the deities were or anything like that, you know. So they very patiently, when I would ask the most obvious question on the planet to somebody who's <laughs> spent their life doing this, they would very patiently and kindly explain to me, you know, 
what it was that I that I didn't know. And uh, and so we did for four or five years. We did a, a kirtan every month at the uh, the bookstore where they had their their little cafe. Um, mm. And through that bookstore, the that bookstore had a lot of other people come and, and do kirtans there. Um, you know, practically every night of the week. And mm. uh, so I met. What was it called? The Open Secret Bookstore uh, is the name of the place. Um, it's kind of a local legend, you know, for spiritual bookstore goers. Um, I love that name. I've never heard it before, but it's such a Open cool Secret. name. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a it's a very cool store. I've, I've uh, Rob Califf is the owner. He's a wonderful guy, and and he uh, has kept it going for years and years, and survived in in spite of the you know the whole Amazon phenomenon and Barnes and uh-huh. all of that. And, and really just stocks it with things that would be interesting to books that would be interesting to interesting to, you know, spiritual minded mm-hmm. people. Um, and uh, I've picked up quite a few things there, just wandering in and, and letting something jump off the shelf at me and, and, and uh, buy it and, and be guided to something new that way. Did you ever hang out at the Bodhi tree in, in LA when it was, when it was open? No, you know uh, no. I've spent very little time in LA, really. That was a similar similar thing, although it didn't have. Um, well, I guess it did have a venue, but it was like in the back. Um, but yeah, it it's they stocked the coolest books, like you know, alternate archaeology and aliens and all the spirit, you know, all spiritual books, but like so much more, you know, variety and volume than you would get at a at a bookstore. And then they actually mm-hmm. didn't close because of online stuff they closed because the person who owned the building um just sold it and mm-hmm. yeah and they didn't want to keep a bookstore in there but it was it was such a cool place i loved it and you'd always you'd always like run into you know the the musicians and actors and stuff who were spiritually inclined <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah well open secrets a lot like that you know and and still going uh, mm-hmm. still hanging in there so hopefully Neat. it'll keep on going for a long time yeah yeah. Yeah, there was there's actually we went to a bookstore the other day and it's funny. I guess like certain communities just, you know, enjoy having bookstores and others don't, you know, see as much value, but um we went into a bookstore the other day here in Redmond and I was like, "Wow, this is, you know, I hadn't been in a bookstore in a while." Mm-hmm. And uh and it it was so cute. And you know, we we got a we got a book there and they had a little, you know, play area and it was it was a fun place to hang out with with the kids, but Mm-hmm. They also have an Amazon bookstore here, which I find really interesting, huh. like in the mall. So you can use your Amazon account mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, buy, buy books at the same price you would if they were online, but they're in this bookstore. So interesting, wow. hmm. interesting to see things evolve. Yeah. Yeah. I love bookstores. Yeah. I, uh, I used to spend yeah. a lot of time in bookstores. Yeah. Yeah, it's not the same browsing online. The selection know, is infinite. Not. You know, it's it's wonderful, yeah. but but you just don't gosh. know what to look for. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. There's something to be said for like a a a, a, a curated collection to look through. Yes. You know. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. I I really. Um, it's funny. I, I think I've sort of transitioned to everything digital except for books. I. Like I do not enjoy reading to me. It's like doing homework or something like you read, like reading a, a PDF on your, I don't uh, know, just even uh, like, you know, the, the tablets that make it, you know, more enjoyable and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoy like holding a book with, mm-hmm. I actually, but I enjoy the audiobooks. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'll do that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. yeah. I tried the tablet. And I really wanted to like it, but I didn't really like it. And, and, you know, sometimes I'll sit at the computer and read, but I, you know, you're sitting at the computer, you're kind of stuck there, you know, and, and, and the phone's too small. And I intentionally avoid doing things on my phone, except use the phone, you know, and and look at the map and that's about it. You know, I don't (laughs) want to be staring. I don't don't want to spend my entire day staring into a screen, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, good for you. Yeah. So, so (laughs) books, you know, I, I still love books. I've always loved books and, and I used to read the newspaper all the time. I I don't really do that anymore. I, I get my news online, but, but, uh, books, yeah, they're paper, they're analog, you know, they're, they're, 
they're uh, yeah they have like a nice weight to them <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah 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 there's just it, there's also something i think very like intimate about holding a book because you're the only one reading that book in that moment mm-hmm. you know so it's like a very personal experience whereas when you're reading something online it's it's more you know it's more shared i don't know mm-hmm. that makes sense you're it's like having, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's a, it's more of a, more of a personal thing. And also when, when you're reading something, maybe on a tablet is different. I don't have a, I don't have a tablet currently, but um, you know, when I'm on my computer, it's like, I'll, I'll be, I'll read something and then I'll go, Hmm, I wonder what's going on Facebook, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> so very easy to get distracted on. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. So it's like the one thing it's like the thing that has one purpose I think is, is sort of comforting. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I see, and maybe it's my imagination, and maybe it's just because I'm getting old and crotchety, I don't know, but, <laughs> but it seems to me like people's attention spans are getting shorter, mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. uh, we have so much distraction and so much information coming in, you know, and, and the, one, another nice thing about a book is that, you know, it doesn't blink, it doesn't flash, it doesn't glow. Uh, and, uh, you know, it doesn't move unless you throw it down or something like that, you know, and, and, uh, you stick it in your back pocket, you know, bring it to dinner or whatever. And, and, uh, and, you know, if it's a story, uh, like if it's a novel or something, then it's this whole world that you, you know, that it, it, it like, it, it inspires this, 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 this imaginational, this imaginary world, you know, in your mind and, mm-hmm. uh, and you get to live in that world and, and, and that world is directed by the words on the page, you know, it's a very slow process, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, very focused and you can stay in that world for, you know, if you're, if you're really like hooked on the story, you can stay there for hours at a time. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I think that's really good training to, for, for making people for, for, for a longer attention span is what I mean to say. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a good way to train a longer attention span. Whereas mm-hmm. I think the, the television and the internet are really good training for extremely short attention spans. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, there's probably value in both, but, um, I, it seems like people are very, very distractible and, and they really don't listen for very long. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I I also feel like things are just naturally speeding up. Like there's just so much more to grasp per second than there was a few years ago. And if you think about like a hundred years ago, like mm-hmm. people had time to you know make their own clothes. They had so much time, you know. Yeah, right. Um, and we don't have that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anymore. But but I think uh, I think yeah, having the ability to to focus is so important, obviously, and then you know, being able to sort through all of the information that's available to be able to get what you actually need. I mean, that's going to be a skill that's going to be so important for people in the future and Mm -hmm. not just getting, you know, sucked into whatever happens to pop up, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I find it interesting that my kids actually you know, cause they, they do video games and they watch TV and they do all that stuff, but they still really enjoy books. And I, I find that, I find that kind of cool. It's like they, they see the, they see the value in both. Like they ask me to, they're little, so they ask me to read books. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and you know, they're like, they, they laugh and we've been, we've been reading this one like comic book type book for, you know, like one chapter a night kind of thing. Um, and they're like, you know, they're, they're totally hooked on it. They want to know what happens next. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so it's cute. Yeah. It, it seems really natural, really natural for people to, to be into stories that are, you know, saved and presented that way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's, you know, it was just a natural evolution to that. And that's what it was for hundreds and hundreds of years. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think the the point you made about having to it's almost like a a muscle that you you know you want to develop and keep honed that muscle of converting words into imaginary landscapes and stuff cuz I think 
Um, it seems like children who, who haven't, you know, exercised that have a mm-hmm. harder time um, imagining what some, you know, what something would look like if they're, oh, yeah. if they're just, you know, being, um, if they're being read to, or if they're reading something or yeah, it helps, certainly yeah. helps comprehension. Yeah, I think that's a that's a big danger with television too. You know, when I was <laughs> one of, one of the luckiest things I ever did was when I was about eighteen years old, I got rid of my television set, uh-huh. uh, and that was forty years ago. Uh, oh, and wow. I uh, when you say television, do you mean like like movies and everything, or just like TV commercial type stuff? No, the, I, 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 I gave the box to somebody else. The box, okay. Uh, and so I didn't have one in the house because I was a TV junkie, you know, all, uh-huh. all through my childhood. I'd just sit and, and stare at the TV. And, okay. and, um, and I recognized when I was about 18 that, that I really wasn't very good at turning the thing off, you know, and it would grab my attention and hold me, you know, uh-huh. in some trance, you know. And, and, and I was spending an awful lot of time looking at commercials designed by people to sell me stuff uh, that most of which I really didn't need uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and that the shows were there to get me to look at the commercials really, you know? And, uh, and so I thought, you know, I wonder what it would be like if I just didn't have one of these, you know, and, and uh, maybe it would be a good idea to get rid of it. And so I did. And um, there've been a couple of years in the meantime, you know, in the interim that I, I was kind of forced to have a TV, but um, finally managed to get rid of it. And um so for most of the last 40 years, I haven't had a television set. And, wow. uh, and one thing that, there are a couple of observations. One is that, that, that uh, the pace of editing on television has sped up really dramatically in those yes. 40 years. Um, and it's, it's to the point where it's creepy to me, you know, that, that I remember uh, watching the movie Clockwork Orange back in the 70s. And... Um, at the end of the movie, there there's a scene where the the main character is being tortured, uh, and the way they're torturing him is they're they they've pried his eyelids open, uh, and they they're forcing him to look at images of mass destruction that are being flashed at a very fast pace, uh, and at the same time they're playing music by Beethoven uh, <laughs> because because he loved Beethoven that was his favorite thing in the world was Beethoven, oh, okay. uh, and so they were torturing him this way. And uh, he was, you know, screaming at the end at, in, in that scene. It's not fair, lovely, lovely music. You can't do this to me, you know. And of course, they're doing it to him, and, and they're breaking his mind by doing this. And the, what I remember about the pacing of the images, which you know were clearly like it was designed to be like brainwashing and torture, is that it's approximately the same, maybe a little bit slower now than what you see in the average television commercial. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And to me, that's creepy, yeah. uh, you know, and there was, so that's one thing. And the other thing is that the television in general, um, getting back to what you were saying, doesn't really encourage you to imagine anything. Uh, mm-hmm. It tells you what to see. It, it's presenting images to you mm-hmm. uh, along with the story. And so you don't have to really imagine much of anything uh, when you're watching television. And mm-hmm. um, and, you know, when I was a little kid, I watched television for hours every day. Um, and I kind of regret that. Do you, do you think that was because you didn't have any other options? No, I had plenty of options. You weren't presented? No, I, the, 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 the biggest option and the one that we all have is you can just go outside. Uh-huh. Uh, you, know, and, you were pretty and, free to just do whatever you wanted. Yeah, yeah, it was you know it was the 1960s and the 1970s, and I I grew up in in South Louisiana, and mm-hmm. you know people didn't have the kinds of fears that they have now about their children being you know harmed or something like that, mm-hmm. um, especially in in that town. You know, we we didn't even lock the door to our house until mm-hmm. like the neighbor kids started stealing cookies out of our cookie drawer. I love that. Yeah. The doors. And, uh, <laughs> so uh, so um, you know. And we were always being told by my mother and my father, go, go play in the yard or something, you know, mm-hmm. and, and part of it was to, so they could get some, some peace and quiet. But the other part was, you know, they really, they really believed that kids need to go outside and play in, in uh-huh. trees and stuff, you know, and we would climb trees and, and run around the bushes and, and, you know, wade in the water in the ditches and, you know, just all kinds of things that kids do, you know, and, and, uh, 
and that was great, you know. And, and I've been I've been thinking just lately, by coincidence, because um, I spend a lot of time in front of computer screens now, and and I'm looking at real interesting stuff and and interesting images, and and I'm always amazed by, you know, how far computers have come, uh, and this this interesting sort of virtual reality that we that so many of us spend a lot of time immersed in, you know, uh, and not even like advanced immersion, uh, uh, artificial reality, but just, you know, just the normal stuff. You turn on your computer and there's windows or the, the yeah. Apple operating system and you go and you do stuff and there's all kinds of cool stuff on YouTube and whatnot. And, and so there's all of that and it's all really cool and hats off to all the programmers and, and content providers <laughs> and all of that, you know, but, um, still, after I've spent a lot of time sitting in front of a computer screen, if I just go outside and walk down the street, uh, I'm sometimes like overwhelmed, almost overwhelmed, and, and certainly like floored anyway by the, the the level of detail in reality, you know, and how beautiful it is, and, and how how exquisitely our 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 sensory systems and our minds and our bodies are are attuned to the the rest of reality all around us you know we're, mm -hmm. we're immersed in we're part of this reality and and the flow of energy the analog flow of energy from from outside of us to inside of us you know from outside of our awareness to inside of our awareness and and you know and all the the, the ways you can choose to think about that um, it's so exquisite it's so fine you know and, and if you could it seems like, you know, like there's this quest on to create artificial realities that are as compelling as, you know, the reality that we live in. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's a whole lot of work to get something <laughs> that currently is, is like not anywhere near as exquisite as just going outside and looking at the grass in your front yard. Uh -huh. So, you know, I, I think it's a good idea for people to you know, turn off the screen, whether it's a television or a computer or their phone or whatever, and, and just be in this moment because, gosh, you know, this, this has been provided for us by, you know, however you want to think about it, by, by you know, some deity or by just the evolution of, of, of you know, stuff in the universe or, you know, however you, you, you care to relate to it. It's provided for us and, and we are really well designed to appreciate it mm -hmm. uh, and all we have to do is like look and mm -hmm. and sniff it you know and taste it and uh wow you know what a, what an amazing what an amazing opportunity and and i see an awful lot of people standing in the middle of this amazing opportunity looking at their facebook feed on their on their phone yeah yeah, well, I think so much of that has to do with not just that it's an enticing um, distraction from, you know, their, their what we would call it, their actual reality, but also just because I think so many people use these social media platforms for validation to see if what they've posted has been liked or just, you know, to have like mm -hmm. these sort of sort of set themselves up for like, how good am I mm -hmm. <laughs> based yeah. on what feedback I'm going to get from, you know, the 300 people I haven't actually met mm -hmm. <laughs> or the thousand mm -hmm. people, you know, um, which, and it's, and it's not to say that I'm not included in this cause I've mm -hmm. definitely, you know, had uh, anxiety over posting something or been like, you know, I, uh, gosh, should I have said that? Or, you know, and, mm -hmm. and that's really something that, um, I think is an op kind of an opportunity for us in, in the social media world is it just, it creates this amplified mirror to our own, you know, uh, self, um, like, like social, no, I was going to say social anxiety, but what's the word, the insecurities, you know, it like really, it really holds up a mirror to your insecurities. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so, you know, you can either choose to, limit your involvement or, you know, um, respond in a different way, not care what people think, you know, so there's, mm -hmm. I, I feel like it, I feel like so much of the stuff that's happening now just, um, it's like, it's like the next level in a video game, you know, it's like, well, mm -hmm. you, you thought, you know, it's, it's not so easy to appreciate nature when you're thinking about what, 
someone commented on your Facebook post, you know, so can you tune back into, you know, where you actually are right now? Yeah. 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 I know. I, 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 I'm the same way. I spend too much time on Facebook uh, and I have those insecurities and, and I enjoy posting my opinions on Facebook and I enjoy like the, the, the feedback from the people who, who agree with me. And, and I enjoy arguing with the people who don't agree with me. And, and, uh, and, uh, yeah. And, you know, if I post some goofy picture of myself, I I like it when people like it, you know, uh, if I post something that I really care about and nobody pays attention, I think, Oh, you know, right. (laughs) You know, yeah, it's, it's kind of addictive. Yeah. Do you, um, do you find that it it has like in in for example Chantala's touring mm-hmm. i maybe i'm not um present enough in their social media sphere to like get the thing but it doesn't seem like they use a lot of social media am i wrong about that uh i think they do actually they do okay uh you know like, i am well, friends with them <laughs> it uh-huh, doesn't, yeah it's the it's the sad uh, nature of how Facebook re redid their Instagram, did their feed, because you, you you miss you miss stuff if you're not yeah. like actively looking for it. I guess. Yeah, the the whole the the however that's determined is a real mystery to me. You know, the, the Facebook algorithms. You know, everybody wants to know how they work so that they can get their <laughs> message out, but. Right. Know, you know, I, I I do know that they the 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 Benji and Heather both you know will spend like when we're in the, in the van driving to the next city or something, they'll, they'll spend some time letting people know that we're coming, you know, and, and, uh, promoting it on Facebook and whatnot, you know? So, okay. Okay. So, I mean, yeah. that does, that does, you know, have a certain use. Cause that was one of the reasons that I went back on Facebook. Actually, I was off for a little while. I was like, you know, it's, it's a really great tool if you, you know, if you use it mm-hmm. um, in that way, cause it does help you to reach people. Um, Yes, I agree. And it's free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, wonderful that way. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I, I heard that doing live. So this is, this is my understanding of the Facebook algorithm, but I actually have an opportunity to go visit the Facebook headquarters. I'm super excited. So maybe I'll ask and, and get uh-huh. back to everyone. But my mm-hmm. understanding is that live videos show up the most frequently for people. So Facebook will share those with the most people, especially huh. if people are sharing and liking them. And way. Live videos, vi- uploaded videos is next, then mm-hmm. photos, then text, and then like come like the links, like the external links and the things like that. Mm-hmm. So you'll notice that, you know, on your, if you post like a link to something, it might not get as much attention as like something posted directly. To yeah, Facebook. yeah, yeah, yeah. They want to well, keep you there. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I uh, they they do they do seem to keep track of of who responds. You know, mm-hmm. like like uh, you know, I'm I'm politically very liberal, and so I and I like to stir the pot a little bit on Facebook. You know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, I'll make posts about the current political goings on, and and uh, and my liberal friends, you know, who respond wind up always seeing whatever I post, you know, and, uh-huh. and, and then I have a few conservative friends who will also respond and they all seem to see what I post as well, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. But if somebody like gets bored with it or whatever and stops, you know, they just think I'm crazy or something and, and they stop responding, <laughs> then, uh, then after a while, either they've like, they've, like they've unfollowed me or I don't know what, but you know, after a while they just stop showing up, you know? So uh, and then maybe they'll they'll peek back up and I'll find out that no, in fact they were seeing it or you know whatever I don't know. And <laughs> so anyway, I I do like Facebook for um, for having conversations with with people who who disagree with me politically. Hmm. Uh, I, I you know it's it's enjoyable to 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 say you know my favorite politician or my my least favorite politician is a jerk or whatever you know so it never uh-huh. yeah he's a jerk you know whatever and, and but you know so that's kind of gratifying and all that but 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 what's really interesting to me is if I say my least favorite politician is a jerk and and somebody I knew from high school or something comes back and says well no you're crazy you're full of it you know he's, he's the most wonderful guy on the planet you know and 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 um, if I can engage that person in 
in a real conversation or a real debate, you know, then I really enjoy that a lot. Uh, if it's just, if it just turns into like an insult, right. slinging fest, you know, <laughs> then I just, you know, I just, I'm not interested in that, you know, but, but, but I do really like and really benefit and, you know, learn from, from having thoughtful, um, sort of, uh, you know, exchanges of opinion, you know, that, that show respect to the person who, mm-hmm. who I'm talking with, uh, you know, because if I'm not attacking them, then, you know, they're more likely to, to tell me more deeply what's on their mind. And, and they're more likely to stay engaged for a while. And, and I'm more likely to, to come to understand, you know, where they're coming from and why they think that way. And, and, uh, what, what's important to them, you know, and, and, uh, it's led me to some really interesting conclusions, you know, arguing about like Donald Trump, for example, on, mm-hmm. on, or Republicans or whatever on, on social media. Um, cause I have some, some old friends from high school who are just like dyed in the wool Republican Donald Trump supporters, you know, and, and, uh, and I'm certainly not, you know, but, 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 um, those who can hang with me and, and, and argue about it without getting all, you know, flummoxed and, and going away, uh-huh. um, have taught me, uh, that, that that the way they see the current political situation makes makes total sense to them mm-hmm. uh being a donald trump supporter makes total sense to them it's not like they're crazy or they're stupid or something right. like that they have they just have a completely different viewpoint from mine uh and um it, it occurred to me after after like trying to convince some of my old friends for for a while to 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 change their stripes. Right. <laughs> it occurred to me, well, that's really not working. So either I'm terrible at this, or it's a lost cause. You know. <laughs> uh, but I kept on, you know, engaging w- with them, and and uh, and it finally occurred to me that you know it's like there's an old story of like three blind men who, who are feeling different parts of an elephant, and they, they're trying to describe what an elephant is. You know. Uh. One's feeling the trunk and say, oh, well, it's, it's loose and flexible and moves around. And the other one's feeling the knee and says, well, it's really stiff. And, you know, uh-huh. and the other one's feeling the tail or whatever and says, well, it's, it's you know, whatever. And, you know, it, it occurred to me that, that, like, you know, like, wow, you know, talking about Donald Trump, it's like some of us are looking at the face of the cow. Mm-hmm. Looking at a cow, you know, and some of us are looking at the face and saying, "Oh, it's cute, it's wonderful, it's interesting, it chews, you know, it does these things, you know, nothing threatening." Here, it's a cow, right? And the others of us are standing behind it, looking at its rear, you know, and yeah. looking at what comes out of it, you know, and trying not to get kicked. And and uh, and we're saying, you know, this cow is dangerous. Cows are awful. You know, they stink. They're all, you know, right, and right. and, uh, and uh, we're both looking at the same thing, you know, but both of us have this very, you know, one-sided view of it. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And uh, so by by engaging with people who have really different opinions, uh, you know, and keeping it civil, uh, I wind up learning things like that, you know, like, wow, you know, and th- that's a really like, it's much more important to me to know that than it is to like win the argument about Donald Trump or something, you know, it's, right, it's, right, you know, because now I can take that bit of information about viewpoints and apply it everywhere. And I see it everywhere. You know? um, so. Yeah, I think I think Facebook is wonderful for stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, these people. I would never argue with somebody. I would never hang out with somebody. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just don't hang out with. I, I live in the, one of the most liberal places in the country. You know, I, I don't uh-huh. have the occasion to hang out with with you know conservative Republicans. It just uh-huh. doesn't happen around here. You know, so yeah, yeah, that's that's really cool, and that's yeah. such an elevated way of I think uh, of. Uh, conversing with somebody right it's like you're you're there or just living your life really like you're there to learn not to convince them that you're right well i tried to convince them i tried to convince (laughs) them that i was right and they were wrong for 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 like a couple of years several years and you know and it finally struck me that well you know if you look at it from their point of view they're right and i'm wrong Mm -hmm. and i can totally see the logic in it i can totally Mm -hmm. see it uh, and it, they, they, and they taught me how to see it. Uh, yeah. I still don't agree with them, you know. But. No, but you know, I, I think it's it it hurt it hurts when you think that somebody else thinking differently than you do is somehow negatively impacting you, you know, because then you feel like you have to change how they're seeing things. If you can just be like, well, that's how you see it. That's that's you know, that's great. It doesn't impact me unless I think about it, you know. Yeah. yeah. So I just yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I'm going to resist the urge to go down the, the rabbit hole of current politics. Anyway. Oh, don't. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I could, but I'm, I'm not going. <laughs> okay, I will then. Um, so, so uh, I was thinking the other day about how fantastic it is for the spiritual community to have someone who is so um, diametrically opposite from their values uh -huh, uh -huh. in, 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 uh, in this, um, in politics or in, you know, a position of power mm -hmm. or as we, you know, perceive it as a position of power, mm -hmm. um, because it forces us to, uh, con or to, what's the word to like, uh, acknowledge the parts of ourselves that are not or that are resistant to love you know like mm -hmm. i can't i can't be a loving person when i'm thinking about donald trump yeah you know and so i mean so that's that's some that's some uh that's some tough spiritual practice right there what Could do be. you what do you feel when you think about Donald Trump? You said you, you know, can't be a loving I'm, person. What do what do you feel? Well, I personally he doesn't affect me at all because I don't think about him. I don't perceive that he that him being in power has personally changed anything for my specific existence. Mm -hmm. Um and so I I don't have much resistance to him. Now, you know, I maybe some of the things that I hear that he's doing, I'm like, well, I wouldn't do that. Um, but I don't, I don't tend to see things like, um, this is irreparable or damaging or, uh, horrendous. And, you know, the world is ending because this yeah. person is doing things that are buffoon like or whatever. I'm just sort of like, you know, let him have his carnival show and, um, it's not forever. Yeah. That sort of thing. So that's my two cents. I see. Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear your perspective. Unless you don't want to share it at all, which is totally fine. Well, no, I, you know, it, since you asked. Uh, <laughs> well, you brought it up. <laughs> I, I did. It's my fault. I know. Uh, so I, I like to project into the future, uh, which, you know, the Buddhists would, would have, have, have tried to tell me is, is a risky and, and pointless thing to do, but uh, I do it anyway. And um I'm really, I'm fascinated with, well, fascinated might be a little too strong of a word, but I'm very interested in the American experiment in democracy uh, and the setting up of the government, the way it was set up uh, with the checks and balances that, that, that were built into it. Um, and the, uh, the way that the game of politics is usually played. Um, and how that all, how all those things work together, you know, the setting up of the, of the form of the government and the, the intention of the government. And, and there's a whole lot about it, you know, that's, that's subtle and it's not all pretty, you know, but it, it's, it's, it's a very intricately designed and well-balanced structure. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the professional politicians who get involved with it generally seem to like grasp it and they play it the way that good, basketball players play basketball, you know, mm -hmm. or good musicians play music. They, they get the system, they get inside of it, they do, they do or try to do whatever it is that they're, they're wanting to do, you know, whether it's, you know, something good for the people or something good for themselves or whatever it is, you know, and, uh, and the, the show has pretty much rocked on, you know, on the rails until now. Uh, and, it seems like it there's a certain amount of relying on the goodwill of a group of people mm. to to make the government continue to function in a way that um that's viable uh and it it has seemed to me that for the past 15 years or so that the republican party has been less and less interested in playing that game. Uh, they've been stonewalling instead. Uh, and it's hardball politics and that's nothing new, but now they have their perfect complement in, in the current president. Uh, 
who has never shown any interest in playing by the rules of, of the political game, mm -hmm. uh, other than to twist them to, to, to his advantage. And, you know, politicians are always trying to do that, but I mean, I shouldn't say that. A lot of politicians are always trying to do that, but, uh, but it's it, it like almost all of them seem to have no desire to wreck the system mm -hmm. uh, and i'm not sure that that you can really say that now there are some people <laughs> who seem to have the desire to wreck the system yeah. and they seem if if you if you if you take it for granted that donald trump and mitch mcconnell and and some of those people really would like to wreck the system and and you take that as as your assumption going forward and then you look at their behavior their behavior fits that assumption really really well uh mm -hmm. and that's not something that that i've really seen before uh and it frightens me that's uh, interesting so yeah. why does that frighten you do you think that what happens when the system is wrecked um chaos happens uh, or dictatorship happens or uh, or chaos leading to something. The, the, the thing about power on a grand scale is that there are super capable people who are always vying for it. Uh -huh. uh, and there, a lot of those super capable people are not like the nicest people. <laughs> uh, and, um, and they really want power. And the, the, you know, one way to look at, at, at history is, is, uh, as, is the, the transfer of power from one regime to another. Mm -hmm. um, and that happens in the United States in a very peaceful way. Um, you know, since, um, since the Civil War ended, um, the transfer of power from one regime to another has been really peaceful. Uh, mm -hmm compared to what it might have been, and like even looking back at like the Revolutionary War or something like that, or, or the transfer of power in, in kingdoms and you know, how, how awful mm -hmm. that can be, and, or dictatorships you know, all around the world. Um, and you know, there's been no coup, there's been nothing like that. You know, mm -hmm. the, the, the last real, real awfulness that we had was the Civil War. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, and the, the form of government that we have, I think, is, is largely responsible for that, or maybe entirely responsible for that, because there's this ingenious pitting of, 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 um, of the impulse to power uh, among all the people who have that impulse and who, who have the capability of, of trying to seize it. Uh, they're, they're pitted against each other in this ingenious way. Uh, and everybody plays the game until now. And now we have, like with the, the impeachment that just happened in the, in the trial in the Senate, we have the, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court and the, the um, Senate Majority Leader presiding over a real fiasco, like a real monkey trial, a real, a real dog and pony show mm -hmm. that they didn't try to, like the Chief Justice didn't say anything about it, but, but Mitch McConnell just said, look, I have no intention of being impartial about this. We're coordinating with the White House about how this is going to go. He said that in the mm -hmm. press, you know, mm -hmm. like proudly. Uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, and so the system at that point is completely broken. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, if the guy in the White House and Mitch McConnell were like, Mother Teresa and Amma or something, then that would be great, maybe, you know, but they're not, you know, and, and, you know, they don't really seem like. Right. Well, and to be fair, if they were, a lot of people would be pissed off about that, right? Because they wouldn't be in alignment with their views. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, so, so unfortunately, the guy in the White House is a guy with a long, long track record of, of, you know, what might be described legitimately as criminal behavior and, mm -hmm. and uh, certainly unsavory behavior. And, yeah. and I don't know much about Mitch McConnell, but he certainly is you know, doing everything he can to help this guy out. Right. So it's to me, that's really scary. I, it's just, it's, a, it's the, the, our, our federal government is broken right now. It's totally broken. And yeah. uh, the potential for chaos arising out of that is, is pretty high, you know, uh, and chaos on a national level is something that I don't really want to experience. Mm -hmm. yeah. If it if it could be, I mean, 
nothing that um, extreme has happened to create what, you know, what you're perceiving to be a potential breakdown of things. So, I mean, if it was that fragile to begin with, I wonder whether there isn't a better, more, you know, resilient structure that could be built too. The United States hasn't, I mean, Europe has seen so many different, you know, configurations of their political um, environment. I think that they might be a little bit less scared of those sorts of changes. And also when, you know, when voting happens, it's like the, it runs the gamut of, you know, what, what our political climate's going to look like because it goes all the way from like communist to, you know, the right wing, you know, like the extreme white right wing of like close every border and let nobody, you know, let nobody come in. Mm-hmm. And, and we don't, we haven't really seen that in the United States. Um, so, you know, maybe, but I also think that that sort of variety involves more people. And we also see like a total complacency of, you know, um, American citizens as, you know, as represented by the fact that hardly anyone votes, you know? So, mm-hmm. so maybe, you know, maybe we need to, to pay more attention or create, uh, or maybe there's a career. I don't know. I'm, I'm more of a, I, f- I feel more hopeful about things. Like when things are changing, I feel like they must be, um, there must be a balance that's, you know, about to, about to happen, a shift that's going towards the next evolution of what it could be. Well, it certainly does feel like change. <laughs> it certainly does. I, I, I was, can agree I was, on that. <laughs> I, was very, I was very hopeful and, and very uh, happy during the Obama years uh, mm-hmm. for, you know, for reasons of race relations and for reasons of uh, the advanced, you know, what I, what I was hoping would be a great advance of, of liberal causes. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Obama was very cautious that way and, and made some, some steps forward. Uh, and, uh, uh, and he's just so brilliant such a great speaker and all that, you know, so yes, yeah. that was, that was wonderful. And, and this is certainly something else. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. And yeah. some balance will happen. Some balance will come out of it. You know, we'll see what it is. Yeah. 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 Well, this is, this has been awesome. I haven't spoken with anyone in this podcast yet about politics, which certainly isn't my specialty, but it was super interesting to hear your perspective. Uh-huh. Um, so thanks for sharing that. Yeah. 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 Thanks for um, Is there anything you'd like to share before we go off? Do you have a, a website people should go to, to check you out or? Right. Like well, self pro- self promotion is not like my strong point, but uh, <laughs> do you want to? If they want to hear your um, your political uh, opinions, can they become your friend on Facebook? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> just look for Greg Barnett on Facebook, and and you know I'm easy to find that way. Uh, I do have a website. It's gregbarnett.net. Cool. Dot com. Uh, there is another website that if you're we didn't talk about music at all. Which is silly. <laughs> <It's> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, there's a, a, a website called DowTheory.com. Uh-huh. Uh, so T A O Theory.com. Uh, that is uh, a trio that I play in. Um, oh, cool. So it's two acoustic guitars and violin. It's all original music. Um, it's all acoustic. Did I say that? And. Um, and wonderful stuff, a trio. Uh, we have a CD called Grateful. Uh, you can get it at Amazon and you know you can hear it on Spotify. And, and, um, and so you can check those things out. And uh, I did want to, since, you know, gosh, somebody might be listening to this, mention that uh, I've worked on a few albums over the years. Um, and uh, if I may, if it's yeah, okay, go for I'd it. like to mention them. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, it's, it's good work and beautiful music and super nice people and, and beneficial stuff. And I think you'll like it, hopefully. And uh, so uh, some of the albums that I've, that I've been on that, that, that people listening to this podcast might like, there's a guy named Mangala Nanda. He's a Kirtan uh-huh. leader. Uh, the name of that album is Auspicious Bliss. Uh, Mangala Nanda. It's all okay. A's. So. Yeah, I will. 
I'll link all these so that people can okay. easily click on them. Yeah, no worries. Okay, great. Mangalananda, Auspicious Bliss. I played on that album and I assisted in the mix uh, of it, cool. uh, which was really fun. And uh, then um, I played bass and guitar on that. That, that. There's a stellar lineup of musicians on that album. Check it out. Uh, Pragni Vieira is on it. Um, uh, Dharma Devi plays flute on it. Mm. Um, Bunch of people, a bunch of really good people are on it. Um, oh, and Radhanath and Kalimba are on one of the tracks, the, the people who got me into Kirtan in the first place. I mean. So it's kind of the local, the Bay Area scene. Uh, David Estes is on it a lot, and you know, just a bunch of people. So um, another one is by a guy named Peter Alexander. Uh, okay. So I, he and I produced that together. Uh, it's all his music. Uh, he's Peter Alexander. He used to live in Half Moon Bay, which is a Bay Area town he's since moved to ashland oregon um and he's doing his thing up there wonderful singer he has a music theater background very interesting musician uh he likes complex vocal arrangements and i like complex or instrumental arrangements so we really went to town on it and uh some beautiful music i'm very very proud of it the name of the album is agni a-g-n-i uh okay. his name is peter alexander he now goes by peter stone uh, okay. in uh in Ashland, uh, but I think online when you find the album, it's still Peter Alexander. Then, um, then I produced an album for a local Kirtan singer named Astrud. Uh, Astrud Castillo is her name. Uh, the name of her album is Har Hari Om. Okay. And um, another wonderful album. Astrud is a wonderful uh, soul, a wonderful singer. Um, people love what she does, uh, and so do I. And um, and uh, she, that was a very different um, project than the Peter Alexander project because Peter had very strong ideas about how he wanted it to go and he did a lot of work on it when I wasn't there. Um, and, but Astrid's album was more like she would show up and we would have a session and then I would work on it a lot and she would come back and say, well, so what have you done? You know, and, and, uh, <laughs> you know, and so it was. I didn't realize you produced. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. some. And so the Dow Theory album is another one. Dow Theory, that name of that album is Grateful. Um, and I produced that as well. Um, and then there are a few other albums that I've played on that, that people listening to this might like to, to know about. One is by uh, Jens, well, two of them are by Jens Jarvie. Yeah. Uh, it's a local Kirtan leader. Jens Jarvie and the Heart Wide Open is, is the name. And... Um, those were produced by Ben Leinbach, who everybody knows. And he oh, was, the Heart Wide Open is the name of the CD. Uh, no, that's the name of the oh, the band, the really. Band, yeah. And and uh, and I think it's I think it's listed that way. Like if you look it up, but if you look up Jens Jarvie, you'll find it. The the uh, the albums are called. The first one's called Path of Prayers, okay. Path of Prayers, and the other one is Be the Ones. Um, I've done a lot of gigs with Jens, and he's a very charismatic presence. He's a wonderful singer, wonderful songwriter, uh, and just an amazing purveyor of energy. Uh, mm -hmm. Just uh, got to check him out. He's, he's a wonderful guy. And uh, then uh, Mata Mandir Singh Khalsa, uh, yeah. who I'm sure you know about. Um, I, I, I played on an album by him uh, called Anand Sahib. Uh, okay. And um, that was a very, very brief encounter. I, you know, it, it all happened very fast. I, I really liked Mata Mandir a lot. Uh, and uh, it was just a joy to work with. And, and uh, I had the, the most interesting experience that, you know, I don't know much about Sikhism, uh, but um, I was driving up, I had to drive for like an hour to get to the town where the recording session was. And he had sent me, uh, the music to to listen to and I made charts and, and did all the usual stuff that I do and and uh, I was just a session musician on that. I wasn't the producer and and uh, and um, Listening to the music on the way up put me in like I was listening to it It's very long, you know, and, and I was listening to it for like 40 minutes and uh, 45 uh -huh. minutes and I was driving the car You know, I wasn't like trying to meditate or anything like that, but it put me in the most remarkable state just listening to him sing that, yeah, and Sahib, something magical and 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 extraordinary about that. Um, yeah, that's my favorite, Bonnie. So beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so check that out if you if you're if you're listening to this, you probably might be interested in that. So, uh, uh, and then there's a, another recent one, uh, 
that I played on by a guy named Edward Mills, who's a local musician, uh, and it's called Walk in Beauty, another really nice album. And uh, and so the, I guess that's all the, the plugging. That's all the plugging I have. Cool. Yeah, thanks for mentioning I was, I was, that. I was prepared to talk about all these music things and all these spiritual things. I know. We were talking about. Like, well, we did. It was all, it was all spiritual. <laughs> it was. Yeah. Everything is spiritual. It's true. <laughs> yeah. I, I like to, I, you know, my, my, my goal for this or my, my intention is just to, to be able to share the experiences that I get to have with musicians when I'm just talking with them, mm-hmm. you know, so that people, you know, like you were talking about Benji and, um, and Heather, how, you know, you wonder if the, if what they present is the same as it is back, you know, backstage or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, you know, that sort of thing. I just, I feel like I want to know what these people are like, you know, yeah. and I feel like other people would be interested in it too. So, yeah. 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 And when well, you're performing, my- we don't get to hear you talk. So, <laughs> right, right, right. I keep my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, for, for, for all of your fans who are listening to this, I want your fans to know that, that, um, that, uh, Sirgan is, when you see her on stage, that's really the way she is. As far <laughs> oh, as I can tell. You. Thank you. So as far as I know from rehearsals and seeing her backstage and all of that, she's, she's always the same. She's not, she's not backstage smoking a cigarette and cursing. <laughs> she is the pure, sweet, wonderful soul who you think she is when you see her on stage. Oh, thanks well yeah well thank you so much for for uh doing this with me it took us a little while to coordinate the time and i i um totally uh forgot last week so thank you for for giving that and oh, no um, worries it was wonderful to have you on and i will share all of these great albums that you contributed to and uh i hope that you know people get to experience your music you know through the cds and also through your upcoming tour with chantala and yeah it was wonderful thank you well thanks for having me on i I've, nobody's ever asked me to be on a podcast before so <laughs> i was you know like, well is, may this, this be the start of many yeah this is fun i like it oh by the way one other thing i wanted to mention there's a guy named jacob collier uh-huh. he's a musician this is totally like out of left field he's a jazz musician he is like the mozart of our time Jacob okay. Collier. Jacob Check Collier. him out on YouTube. The guy okay. is completely amazing. Yeah. How do you spell Collier? C-O-L-L-I-E-R. He's young. He's like 25. I saw him in Seattle, actually. Okay. Uh, the last oh, time I was cool. in Seattle. He played at a club in Seattle. I went and saw him, and it just knocked my socks off. What Sweet. A All right. <laughs> awesome. Well, bye, Greg. Thank you. All righty. Thanks, Sergan. Yeah.